Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So you're about to hear the incredible story and journey of Julian Ardo and how she built Ardoa Beauty, a brand that's launched at Sephora but has got a history like no other. You don't want to miss this. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame any obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, the CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow founders out there. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to inspire and hopefully help each other in what can be quite a lonely and tough journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build brands, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's an absolute delight to introduce you to our guest today and my dear friend, the wonderful Julian Addo. Julian actually started in the world of hair when she was only 14 years old. And now she's the founder of Ajara Beauty, a modern, non-toxic, gender-neutral beauty brand catering to multicultural hair textures. Julian was born in Liberia and immigrated to the US with her mother when she was only two and a half years old. Her journey started when she befriended one of the biggest hairstylists in her community, and then she started straight away in the world of hair at her early teens. Fast forward a couple of years, she's now launched Ajara Beauty, which is now one of the most fastest growing hair brands in Sephora. Her journey is truly one of the most inspiring ones I've ever heard, and I cannot wait to have you guys listen to her story on this podcast. So without further ado, Julian, welcome. How is it going? Thank you, Akash. That was so sweet. Oh my God. I'm such a fan of yours. I'm like fan girl. No, I am I don't too. I'm just forewarning everyone, like when me and Julian do our Zoom catch-ups, we can speak for hours, and I mean hours, so we're going to try to make this succinct and you know so you're not going to be here all day but just letting you know we when we talk we talk (laughs) so Julian I mean (laughs) let's just get straight into it because I just can't wait to to, for everyone to hear your story so I think the most obvious question I always ask everyone is you know but it's so important is who is Julian tell us a bit more about you that's such a complicated question I think because I'm ever evolving I'm going through so many changes that i I'm not even the same that I was yesterday. I've been in this 
consistent phase of metamorphosis where I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm doing new things, I'm doing things that I've never done before. And I'm really stretching myself. But at the core, I am a young Black African woman that I love my family, I love my community, I love people. And I want to be known in this world for kindness. You know, I want to be known in this world for everybody that came my way or that had an interaction with me. I was kind and I was fair and I was honest because I think honesty a lot of times, you know, people say they want it, but sometimes they really don't. Um, But one thing that I know to be 100% true, um, that if I'm not in the room, you know, and people start to talk about me, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they would say that I'm honest and that's what's most important to me. So I'm a lot of different things. I'm never the same thing every day. I allow myself to evolve, but you know, above all, I'm just a human being that is just really grateful for opportunities and for meeting people like you. So, I mean, no, and it's just simple. <laughs> you, you are, Everything you're saying is so true. And I think everyone by the end of this podcast will 100% just know that you are the most honest, realest person. Honestly, I would say in the world that I've met. So can't <laughs> wait for everyone to hear that. And, and it's so true. I mean, we'll go into details on that why and how. But um, I, I want to kind of touch on the fact that, so, you, you know, you immigrated to the US when you were so young with your mother. Um, what was that like growing up? Was it difficult where did you move exactly which state like talk us a bit about that yeah so we we entered in the U.S. through JFK through uh in New York City I grew up in a small community called Park Hill um which is in the Clifton area Staten Island New York City so a lot of people know the five boroughs of Brooklyn and Manhattan but Staten Island is also one of the boroughs as an island kind of away from the other boroughs And yeah, it was really tough growing up because, I mean, it was just a lot. It was a lot to take in. In my community, when we got to the neighborhood, it was a predominantly middle-class neighborhood, predominantly African-American. And, you know, it was just, it was a newness for everybody. It was newness for us as Africans coming to the States. and But it was also newness for Black Americans having to integrate with Africans that I don't think is a conversation that gets talked about enough because the world just sees us and lump us together as Black people, but it was so different. Um, And we used to get into like a lot of trouble and a lot of fights just because we were African and, you know, there was that whole bit. But then having a single mother that had limited education um, with two little girls, my sister, I was also very challenging. I remember my mom you know, trying to find work, you know, however, wherever she can. And sometimes she'd have to leave my sister and I to like random strangers house so she could go out to find work to feed us. So, but I'm grateful for all of that, to be honest. As a child, you don't know. I mean, looking back, I can talk about it now, but going through it, obviously all of the burden and the worry and the stress was on my mom. I didn't know um, anything different, but I think it definitely makes me who I am today. That has a lot to do with who I am. And also just as a compassionate human being, because I remember what it feels like to, to not have, and to be new and to not have support and to not, to feel like the other, like I remember 
what that feels like. So I always try to to give as much as I've been giving. No, definitely. And I think your your childhood experiences has translated even today to everything you do, but also in your brand. So that's actually, it's so interesting to hear that because 100%. you can actually see it when I look at all your stories and everything you do with Ajua. But with that kind of journey, you started working in, was it in salons? How did that, how did that start? Yeah, I always start the journey at 14 just because that's where it professionally started and it's, the story is just too long. So at 14, well, I started doing hair at 12 and a half in the house with my friend helping her. And then after about a year, I was like, okay, I got this. I could do this. I was making money from it because from that 12 and a half to 13 and a half, I was more or less just helping her, just trying to figure out how to do the styles. I wasn't trained. And at 13, I graduated from middle school going to high school. And I got drafted into one of the top high schools on Staten Island, which was Tottenville High School. It was a segregated high school for years between black and white. And then the the year that I was going to high school, which was 93, for the first time they were accepting black students in that had a certain grade point average to try to desegregate it. So it was a big deal that I got into that school, which was like an hour and a half away from where we lived. I'd have to take two buses. Um, so when I started doing hair at 13 and a half, and then I was in ninth grade in Tottenville, I still was helping my friend do hair in the house. And then my friend was going to another school called Ralph McKee Vocational and Technical High School. I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but in the States in those days, vocational and technical high school was not a good thing. It was usually like the alternative children's school. So like where, you know, you had a lot of pregnant teens, a lot of dropouts, you know, technical and vocational wasn't something that was celebrated. So because she was going there and she was taking up cosmetology and at the time we didn't have a green, I didn't have a green card. My mom did. Our paperwork was in processing. So I don't know, my 13 and a half year old brain was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life after high school? I can't go to college because I don't have financial, I can't get financial aid. My mom can't afford to send me to college. And I think I just didn't want to linger after high school. So I ended up enrolling myself out of Tottenville High School and into McKee Vocational High School without my mom knowing. Because I felt if she knew I'd get in trouble. And like I said, I was a misfit for doing that. I wasn't celebrated in the way that I'm celebrated now when I tell the story and everybody's like, that makes sense. It was almost like I was throwing my life away. I had got into this really prestigious high school and I'm leaving that to go to this other high school where all these girls get pregnant and don't go to school and cut school. But the reason that I did it was because McKee Vocational Obviously, it was a vocational school, but it also had a cosmetology program that you can go through all four years. So I ended up, it's a four-year program, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, but because I didn't go in the ninth grade, I started in the 10th grade because I was at Tottenville, I ended up getting a job at the beauty salon in my neighborhood. And what, the, what, it, what that job would do for me is twofold. Working at the salon would give me credit hours for the one year of vocational high school that I missed. So I wouldn't have to like stay or repeat the ninth grade credit hours. And then also being in the vocational school 
working under a licensed cosmetologist, which was the owner of the salon, would make me legal. It was considered an apprenticeship. So as long as someone was licensed and I was a full-time student in hair school, if like state board came in to check like certificates and licenses, I was covered. So it was covering me both ways. And that's why I did that. And yeah, I worked in a salon called Camara's Unisex Palace on Tarji Street, where I grew up from 10th, 11th, and 12th grade in high school. And then I graduated high school and got my cosmetology license. I mean, like the, the <laughs> fact that like, hey, just even like taking a couple of steps back, the fact that like at 13, you were already thinking about what's next and you you know, it is so true. Like even today, you, you say that story back and people will be like, oh, it makes sense. But actually at that time, only you knew the struggle and the, and the backlash and, and the risks. But in your mind, you were always one step ahead, I'm sure. You always knew what was best for you as Julian because you also had so many different passions that you had to do what's smart, but also what you wanted to do. I don't know where that warrior spirit comes from. I ask myself that every day because I don't know how I knew that at such a young age. I think my father passed away when I was a baby and I just always attribute it to my dad, which is why I decided to honor the Ghanaian side of my culture, which is my dad, which is where the Ajwa derives from. But I always... I was a hustler, man. I always tried to figure out, like, I always had that deductive reasoning naturally. And I don't know, like, it wasn't taught. It wasn't even about school because I was such a good student at that point. School was boring to me. Like, I would do my homework in school and not have anything to do um, when I came home because it was just, I was over it. I was over school. And I really didn't want to go to college. If my dad was alive, I definitely went to, would have went to college. My dad was a PhD. He taught at the University of Liberia. That's where he met my mom. So if my dad was alive, academia would have definitely been the, re- the way that I would have had to go. But school to me was always boring. I was always naturally artistic and I just didn't know. Yeah. It's so interesting to me when I think back, because like I said, not only enrolling in the school, but even doing hair in the salon, I would go to high school from 7 a.m. in the morning and I'll get off at three o'clock. I'll take the bus three o'clock and it'll put me in front of the street where the salon is three at three thirty. And from three thirty to about 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm working in the salon. And then at around 11, I will go home and redo the same thing and my mom left me alone because she knew where I was so she could always just come around the corner and I was making money and I was helping her and that's just how African parents are they're like oh okay that's where they're getting the money they're not stealing they're not selling drugs okay it's cool but uh I don't know where it comes from to be honest It, it amazes me today but it's it is a life skill that I seem to have really naturally that have propelled me in every section of my life. Like every time I've moved up to a new level, I have a story for that kind of thinking. It sounds cliche, but I really think people are born with it. I mean, there's some things that even in my family, I look at like some skills I have or ways of I I think and work. And I'm like, it's not like my mom. It's not like my dad. It's not like my sister. We had the same opportunities. How the hell did I become like this? And I think it is something in your, in your, maybe in your DNA or just your everything about, you know, you as a human, your soul. So, but actually, you know, talking about the hustler spirit. So, 
you did all of that. And then you had this incredible, before you even became like your own entrepreneur in, in a way with your own companies, you worked in, am I correct, like Citibank, Chase Bank of America. Like, I mean, tell us about your corporate career. Cause that was another that's story insane. like that. That was another deductive reasoning story. Like, I didn't mean to go into banking. I, The time that I got the Citigroup job, I had my salon. So we ended up moving. My mom ended up moving out of New York to Minnesota because I had a younger brother. And, you know, the drug epidemic, the crack epidemic hit inner city, um, New York, all of the major cities, Chicago in America in about 80, 86, 87, um, or was it 90? Yeah, 80, no, it wasn't 90. It was earlier than that, like 86, 87. So our community just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse, gang activity. And all of the younger, even the boys that came from Africa and you know, that there was one path for a young black man. And she didn't want my brother to go down that road. So she ended up moving the family to Minnesota. And then when I got to Minnesota, I did hair in my mom's basement because she purchased that house for about eight months. And then I saved up money. I bought used salon furniture from this used salon furniture place in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Like the man had a whole set where salons would go out of business and liquidate their furniture and but it was all mismatchy but he had one set that had three stations three chairs three mirrors I was like I'm getting that so I talked to him and every time I you know do hair every week I go and get one set I told him I wanted all three please don't sell it and every time I'd had enough I went and got one set and then I had three stations and I just kept buying things like that until I had enough for a salon and then so I went to this abandoned in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, which is where all of the at this time too, my country was in a 14 year civil war. So there was a lot of refugees coming from Liberia to Minnesota. I think Minnesota had some sort of program or something like that. So there was a large population of Liberian refugees still today in Minnesota, specifically the Brooklyn Park area. So that's where I decided to open my salon. So I sought out this abandoned uh, strip mall. It had literally two functioning stores and then a lot of storefronts, but it was all like empty. But to me, it was like, I don't need the crowd. I just need the space and I need to be able to afford it. So I called the number and I asked the guy if he could rent it for me for $1,300 a month, I would be able to pay it. It was like a super huge space. Anyway, he did it. And then me and my sister, we got it. We painted it. I got my used furniture. We set it up and I opened my first Salon Creations Plus. I was 2021. Well, I was getting married. So I'm engaged and my ex-husband, he lost his job and we needed health insurance. So I accompanied him to Citigroup for moral support. I didn't go there to find a job. And um, he goes in the back and it's like two hours and I'm sitting talking to the receptionist and she's like, you should apply. I was like, didn't you hear what I just said? I have a salon. I'm not looking for a job. He needs a job. He was like, she was like, you have a really great personality. You sound really nice. I think you should apply. Anyway, I filled out the application. I just did. I wasn't looking for a job. They called me back and not him. <laughs> so that's how I got into banking. Wow. So I was doing banking full time and I was working at my salon full time. I just, I'll just, um, I'll, I worked banking for 10 hour days. So I had to do 40 hours a week. So 
salons here in the States close Sunday, Mondays. So I do 10 hour days at Citigroup Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then at the salon, I schedule all my clients all day Friday, all day Saturday, and sometimes Sunday. So I literally did that for about two years. And then I ended up selling my salon in 2004. I did so well in banking. I got promoted to a, a, a lead in, in like a year. I got promoted to a supervisor in a year and a half. And then they moved me to Dallas, Texas as a manager. And I was just making so much money. I started off customer service rep making $12.84. And in 2013, when I left the banking industry, I was making $120,000, $30,000 at, at Bank of America. And I just kind of moved up the ranks. To me, it was kind of like fun. Because I found the people at the jobs so lazy and they complained a lot. And I come from an environment where I work in the salon. I'm working all day. I'm standing on my feet. I'm washing hair. I'm doing hair. And then my mom is working 16, 18 hours a day in nursing homes and group homes. And all I had to do was sit in front of this computer, answer phones with my headset. I was like, I can do that. Um, so I pretty much, if I do something, if I work for you or with you, I'm going to excel at yeah. it. You know, but that, that's like the, the hustle, <laughs> I call it the hustling entrepreneurs or the hustler entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it. If I may say so, I think I was, I'm one too. And in corporate, we excel so easily because it's like you look around and people just do the bare minimum. They're out at like five. They don't want to do anything more than the status quo. And when you're an entrepreneur, you just want to keep on innovating, inventing, and also your mind thinks very differently. You know, you can do things quicker than some people. And I think it's always about the journey is very easy to grow, but it's when these companies can't retain talent like you, you know, because there'll be a point where you're like, it's not about the money anymore. I'm out. And that is it. And uh, it's sort of like a game as well. When you're in there, it's like, oh, this is fine. Let's spend another year, another year. I can do this. But you you know, it's always never going to be long. It's never because- going to be because there's too many people that are lazy. Like, it's not even like there was a point in my career where honestly, I wasn't even giving my uh, my all 100 percent. But my 80 percent was like they're 150, 200 percent. It just Preach. got to yeah. like even with up senior management. It's like you go and you have ideas and you can make things better. What I found is a lot of people don't want to make things better. <laughs> you know, they just want to go in every day and collect a paycheck. But mostly it's also like your bosses and stuff. They're the ones that don't even want. And that's when you get like, okay, if my manager, if I'm like, my manager doesn't want to do more or my manager, like I find lazy, then it's very hard to progress. So it's very hard to progress. So you, you basically had, well, while doing many other things, and I don't know how you had like three Julians or whatever, but I don't know how you managed. But then you you created Bella Kinks, right? Can you talk a bit about that? Because I know the journey, but that's pretty cool. So at this time in 2011, I was working at Chase. Um, I got recruited in 2009 during the mortgage meltdown here in the States to work for Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of Chase, doing all of the OCC complaint order. So the OCC, the Office of Control and Currency, is the people who govern all of the policies and the rules in banking. So I was working from home and I finally created a Facebook account. I had not created a Facebook account prior to 2011. And then when creating a Facebook account, I connected with a childhood friend, like going all the way back from when I was 12 from New York. And I went to visit his family in Brooklyn in 2012. And I attended a book signing by a guy called Afros the Book, um, a guy called Michael July. 
about ap- Afro hair. Nat- the natural hair industry was brewing. He had got me into it because he was dating a really big natural hair influencer back then. So I started watching the videos on YouTube, but I was just still watching. It wasn't until I went to that event in the Dumbo section of Brooklyn where I was like, I need to be a part of this. I literally walked into the event and there was all type of black women and men with natural hair in a ways that I'd never seen before. Because it might sound weird, but I had never seen natural hair outside of the 60s and 70s where it's just a big picked out afro and a political statement. Like, I never seen this. I never seen a twist out. I never seen all the things that the girls were doing. Even with being a hairstylist, we did relaxers and we weaves and different things. And I went in the event and I stood, because I was there by myself, and I stood against the wall and I was just mesmerized. I think that event just kind of woke up uh, because, again, I got into banking by happenstance and just did well and was making a lot of money, but, and then left the salon because, at the time, banking was easier, and I and there was a path, right? I was able to go back to school and complete college through Citigroup. So I just felt like I was following this American dream. I was married. I had the picket fence. We had a nice house. We had everything. So when I got into the event, I was just like, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. So I came back to Dallas. I shaved up all my relaxed hair, and I started tracking my natural hair journey, and that's, where Be- that's when Bella Keys was born. Initially, it was a blog just to track my own hair journey like everybody was doing in 2012. And then two months into it, I was like, wait, I can't do this. Like, that's not it's not my personality to post what I buy, what I eat. I I, I just don't care enough about those things, like how everybody else did. And I'm a lot older than a lot of the girls that was doing it. Right. I've lived a little bit of life already. So I just didn't find that it was organic to me. But I was having events. And I would reach out to all of the big brands in the space to sponsor those events, monetary and with products, so I could give out a swag bag. And I think naturally the brands connected to me more than a lot of people that was kind of doing the same thing. I was able to merge my corporate America with my cosmetology. I would create these pitch decks and I would tell them how I was going to use their products and not only telling them how I was going to use their products, but I made sure whatever I told them that I was going to do, I delivered on it by the due date because I'm trying to build up who I am and my credibility. And so I built relationships with a lot of them and they started asking me to do things. They started asking me to manage campaigns and social media and, and, and then influencers. I was booking influencers for the event to come and speak to draw the crowd. So then influencers didn't know how much to charge the brand. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to do a contract, an agreement or anything. So before there was really even influencer marketing, I like to say I was the first person that did that, um, that I know of. I, I didn't see it, but of course it's not recorded anywhere. And I started managing a few influencers. So Bella Kings turned into a media agency because I'm like, okay, this is where, even though it wasn't profitable because I was still working in banking, but I was just kind of doing it. It was kind of like my passion. Um, and then in 2015, Sally Beauty heard about what I was doing. And they reached out to me to help me help them revitalize their in-house multicultural brands, Silk Elements. And then I helped them launch another brand in 2016 called, well, they launched in 2017 called Texture ID. And after working with small black brands or bigger, small to medium to big black brands, and then corporate brands, but still to black consumers, 
it just still didn't feel progressive enough for me. It felt the same way it felt from a product of, not a product development, but from a packaging, branding, marketing perspective as it did in 94 when I started working at the salon. It didn't seem like the black hair care category had progressed, right? This was about 2016 and I'm seeing Warby Parker and Casper and Glossier and, you know, even Sephora and, you know, Sunday Riley and I'm buying all of the skincare and I'm like, why aren't black people doing this? One, why isn't hair care being made fun and cool and Instagrammable? Like, why aren't we utilizing this new free tool to change how things have always been done? But I didn't want to do it. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the, the what I thought was the money. I had about twenty twenty five thousand dollars savings. I got in a divorce. I got separated. My world had changed. I'd sold my house. I was going through all of these different changes. So I pitched Ajua Beauty minus the name to all of my clients. First, I pitched it to the small black brands because I'm like, I want y'all to do it. I could be behind the scenes doing the marketing. I'll I'll be the person people never hear or see, and I'll just do it. But you fund it. This is your brand. Um, I'm, my sweet spot is in the background. I I don't, you know, I'm trying to push myself to the forefront, but you should, and then they liked it. (laughs) They liked it. And then I went to Sally, but they didn't act on it. And then I went to Sally beauty and no one wanted to put the money behind it. So literally about six months later, pitching, 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 I woke up one morning in this loft and I was just like, I'm going to do it myself. And I wasn't sure how I was going to fund it or pay for it. I still didn't have the money, but I thought, okay, let me find a chemist and let me, I won't tell anybody anything. Let me just make the the formulas and have it sitting and work on it little by little. And whenever I'm done, I'll launch it, however long that takes. It literally took me 10 to 11 months later to deal with what you see today. (laughs) I just started and kept going. That's the best thing sometimes. It's like, because you started it with maybe the intention, you know, I know from day one when you started it, it wasn't like, I'm going to get this in Sephora. It's a journey and it takes, over time you start realizing what's possible. But I think you realized that no one was doing it. You even went out to people, no one was going to do it. And actually, yeah, you know, you're you're such a a go-getter and doer without realizing it, you've done it. Before you knew it, it's happened. So with Ajua, just before we actually go into a little bit more on the journey, just explain to people, I know you touched on it before, but where the name came and how to really pronounce it. Because I think a lot of people probably pronounce it wrong. So yeah. Yeah, it's real easy to pronounce wrong because it doesn't even sound like what it is. So you you say it perfectly. Um, The brand is Ajua Beauty. The DW makes a J-U sound. And as you said, I was born in Liberia, so I'm half Liberian and half Ghanaian. My dad was from Ghana. And in the Akan culture that spans from Ghana, Ivory Coast, and even some parts of Togo, they have a day naming system. Um, so the day of the week that you're born is your name. So Ajua is my name. It's just the name that is, is not front-facing, that no one knows but my family. Ajua Beauty was called Project Bella Kings up until, like, three or four months before we launched because I just could not think of a name that resonated. I wanted it to be called By Jewels. Obviously, my name is Julian, but all of the domain, social media, nothing was available for that. So I was stuck. And then I just kept praying about it and praying about it. And I wanted something that deeply resonated with me, my life, 
and my changes and the changes that I would be going through because I wouldn't be able to market something and to sell it because I'm not a salesman. What we really do at Agra Beauty is just tell my story and tell the brand story and allow people to make a decision. I knew in order to do that, I needed to it needed to be true, a true story. It needed to be my story and it needed to be ever evolving. So I decided to highlight my dad. My dad has been, he passed away when I was two months old, but he, his spirit has been an ever-presence spirit in my life. And that's another podcast. I can't yeah. explain it. But I wanted a way to honor my father, his sacrifices for my life. Pretty much my dad died because of me. You know, I, I don't really talk about this a lot, but in my dad's culture, in the Ashanti culture in Ghana, they have arranged marriages. And so his family had arranged him out to be married. And he did not want to marry the woman that his family had for him. He wanted to be with my mother. And they wanted him to be married to this woman and stay in Ghana. And he ended up disobeying them. And, you know, the myth is that he didn't survive that disobeying. So, I just was like, this man like literally died for me. You know what I mean? Like he loved my mother so much and he loved this child that was in her stomach so much that he was willing to go against his family for the woman and the child that he loved. And he was willing to die for that. So for me, I wanted to do something with that story. I wanted to take a brand and I wanted to honor his life so that his life and his legacy wouldn't be in vain. So I just went to the name that he gave me, Ajwa. For me, Ajwa also represents a modernization of the African. It could be me, it could be Black people. So Ghana also is that place in Africa that ties all Black people. If you go to the Caribbean, Jamaica, you have the Maroons who are Ghanaian. You know, America, the Middle Passage, and all the slave shit passed through Ghana, and then Africa. So to me, it just connected all Black people, and then the sleek, modern packaging for me it models transparency sleep like we don't make any claims on the packaging it's bare minimum the only design is our logo it's not there's no design and I just wanted it to be transparent and plain and modern so it was kind of bringing back the modernization of my culture my community my people and that's where the name comes from but every part of the brand so when my mom was pregnant with me in Africa they look at the belly and they can tell if it's a boy or a girl, so they say. And the way that my mom's belly sat, they thought that I was a boy. So as my mom was pregnant with me, my dad decorated my room all blue. Blue blankets, blue teddy bear, everything was blue. And I didn't know that until about 10, 11 years old, but blue had always been naturally my favorite color. And then in 2016, when I was contacting Ajua, I knew it was gonna be blue because that was my favorite color. But the light blue we have, for the first time, Pantone did a dual color, two colors of the year. It was this blue and a rose quartz. It was blue and pink. And what that was was signifying gender neutrality on the runways. So I was like, okay, I want a gender neutral brand. I'm going to use blue, but I'm going to use a blue that could be for a girl or a boy. It's not a dark blue where it's heavy, you know. It's a unique blue. So, you know, even the font that we use, it's short, it's round. I'm short, I'm five, one and a half, you know, on the thick, like everything about the brand, I made sure that it showed who I am. And I think that's why it's so easy for us to just 
kind of be ourselves and not have to worry about who's in the space because Adwa is me and we're never going to veer off that path. No, it's a, well, <laughs> let's just take a moment. I mean, everything you're just saying is, I mean, I was sort of getting a bit emotional, but it's just so inspiring. And, and honestly, like, again, going back to the beginning of this podcast, when I said you're so real and everything you do, it's so effortlessly like genuine because you don't have time for this fake and going over, you know, you just say it as it is and you do it as it is. And honestly, because you are amazing, everything you end up doing is truly amazing. I've got in the products here and literally it's perfection. I mean, also like, you know, the, the blues and the, in, I know you have it in your packaging and what everyone needs to understand with, with Aja Beauty and Julian is she delivers always like her perfection, her excellence. She will not launch something, you know, to, she will even go an extra mile. She will even incur the cost just to make sure the customer gets the best experience. And honestly, like when you try these products, you'll understand that, but not only from the product, but the process of how to get the product. I also think it comes from this whole conscious capitalism of like how you build yourself and how you build the brand also starts with your team. And I want to go into that because if you're not following Julian on Instagram, I'll share her Instagram handles at the end of the podcast, but you have to follow her. Her stories really is a insight into the, the family of Ajwa. And I've seen from, you know, giving luxury gifts, Gucci's. I mean, I don't even, I mean, you probably didn't give yourself a Gucci gift, but you gave everyone in your team that in Christmas, the way that they work, not only for you, for the brand as if it's their own. It's so inspiring. But can you tell us a bit about your team and what they mean to you and how you built it. Yeah, you inspire me in this way too. I think we're deeply aligned and thank God Sephora and the universe aligned us because you also make me feel like it's the right thing to do. But for me, everything that I do is based on my reputation and I just really appreciate what people do for me. I don't think anyone has to do anything for me. Even my husband, when I was married, he don't have to wake up and want to be with me the next day. He doesn't have to do anything because he had this title. I always take everything that people do for me every single day. I appreciate it because you don't have to do it. And I think that goes over well sometimes and it doesn't go over well sometimes with people because they're like, why are you asking? Yes, I have to do this. I'm like, no, you don't. You know, I believe in free will and, you know, I, you know, we don't have a relationship where you have to be here. We have a relationship where you want to be here. And that's just like the way that I operate because I want to be happy. I want to make sure everybody's happy. I don't, I remember when I was an employee and you hate going to work and it's dread and I don't want to do that. And the bottom line is I get the credit and people see me, but it's my yep. team. You know, I have a small team of people that no one could believe that we're only seven plus myself. And they are so highly competent. Like, they ship to Sephora weekly. We don't use any 3PLs. We do everything in-house our, ourselves. They ship to our D2C customers weekly. And we really have issues with orders. We, we were just having a conversation. Like, less than 1% of our orders even have issues. And that was one of the things I was afraid of going to 3PL because I interviewed some. And, like, they make all this mess-ups. And, you know, you have to incur the cost. and. Yep. For me, we were so light, so lean. I didn't want to have to lose money where I didn't need to lose money if I could just control that. You know, they're at the showroom right now working. And everybody that works for me, though I do pay them, most of them, 
I don't pay them nearly as much as what they should be getting paid. They've all signed on to this Adjure beauty journey and they're all giving their time. Hopefully it'll pay off because that's why people do things regardless, right? We want, you know, you, you may not be, you know, it's not an expectation. You're doing it because you want to, but you also hope the person does the right thing when they get to a certain point, right? So for me, I always want to show them I appreciate it. And honestly, my love language is through is gifts, is giving and doing. I, I don't have, I'm not the type of person where if I wanted to give you a gift, I'd be like, oh, that's too expensive. To me, nothing is too expensive. If I wanted it, if I could afford it, I'm going to get it. Like, I'm going to send you a gift last year on your birthday. I just didn't because I procrastinated and it was too late. So sometimes that happens too. <laughs> so, too. Um, <laughs> you know, and then when I can, I'll make it up. But, uh, but um, you know, I just appreciated them. And my team is not people that are into Gucci or materials. And when I was thinking about, I mean, I've done that every single year. The year before, I gave everybody away luggages. But it, that was, last year was the first time that I showed it on social media. But I didn't show it to be showy off. I showed it because I wanted people to know when you treat people well, it doesn't have to be Gucci. It could be how you talk to them, what you do for them. You know, when you treat people well, they work better for you. I don't have to worry about money. I don't have to worry about things. I don't, I don't have to worry about any part of my business at this point because of the people that work for me. And even with Audra Beauty by 2022, I'm actually... I'm 100% owned. I hope to still be 100% owned, even though we need to raise capital somehow or something needs to happen. But, you know, 10% of my business will go to my employee for profit sharing because I want them to be able, two things I'm going to do when we can offset payroll, which I'm hoping to do that by the end of this year, early next year, we're going to overpay everybody. I want everybody in the company to be making a certain amount. It's weird to me if I'm the owner and I'm driving to work every day in a nice car, in my nice house, and my employees are struggling. You know, you have that, especially in America, where you have poor middle class. Like they're showing up to work every day, they're working, they're not lazy, but they're still behind on rent or they have medical issues. The people, I'm always going to take care of my employee, but especially the people that are here now, you know, when I become a place of where I want to go, they consider themselves at the same place. I will not leave them behind because they helped me build this company. And if it wasn't for their dedication to me and Audra Beauty, to my dream, you know, because it's not theirs, you know, we just wouldn't be able to do any of this. And you're not blessed. Like, good people are not a dime a dozen. You know what I mean? You have to appreciate people. I think people get hurt by people and there's an insecurity and you don't know if people are who they are. There's always this weirdness too, especially when I meet people. They're like, is Julian really? Like, is she, you know, and then they're watching me for two years. But I've been like this my whole life. There's nobody that you can talk to that has anything negative to say about me. There are people that just don't like me. There are people that think my voice is too, I'm too loud or whatever, but not for the sake of like, you know, crossing anybody or doing anything dirty or conniving. I just like to take care of people. I like that God puts me in a position to have extra to take care of Which people. Is, I want to remain in that position. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I don't know where you're channeling it, but um, it's hard to do. But the fact is, is you've done that with everything in your life, not just your business. So it's really, uh, I think it's also your experiences as well. That's really led to that. And, I, and the impact is. of your and father. And I want to continue doing yeah. that. No, absolutely. Yeah, I want to continue doing that. Like, I want to make money 
so that I could continue doing yeah. that. That's, you know, when I was in corporate, I built my house. I had the nice mm-hmm. house. I had BMW. Like I had, I've been able prior to Audra Beauty to be able to ascertain everything that I wanted, yes. right? Clearly it's at a different level, but I know what it feels like to want a luxury car or want a nice house or want this or want this type of clothes and get it because I've done it. So my aspirations, I do like nice stuff and I do buy myself nice stuff, but my aspirations are not the car, the house, the whatever. My aspirations is for me to be put in a position where I can financially effectuate change, yep. period. Because financial is important. You know, so um, people need money to do things. People need money to pay their bills, send their kids to school. You know, it's just, you know, I want to be able to continue doing that at a higher level. Like yourself, I've even had, you know, moments where I used to treat myself a lot more than I do now. And, and I think when you give, give yourself, which is important, we all have done it in our life. It, it, you, you get used to it. It gets a bit like, okay, cool. Like another bag, great, but it doesn't change your life. But then when you learn or when you start experiencing the, the joy of giving, you know, to others from your own will, your own want, and then you become truly the beneficiary, you know, that joy is actually inflicted on yourself when you see the difference. There is a selfish you. component. It's a selfish component. Because right. <laughs> when I gave those Gucci, they were like, they were crying. They were like, no, I never even thought you would buy me Gucci. Like, no, but like there were tears. And I was like, it's nothing. I mean, you know, $1,200, $1,800, $2,000. That's money that we would throw away on other things. It's not more valuable than making somebody happy happy or making somebody feel appreciated or making somebody feel glad. Exactly. I'll be able to replace that $15,000 that I spent on Christmas gift. It's not a big deal. Any more money to make more change. The change is is, is irreversible. It's, it's so much more than that. So that's a hundred, that's the best investment you can do, especially when it's your team, your family. You know, it's it's it's. it's uh, and for me, amazing. the Gucci was showing them they deserve it. Yeah. it. It was also for me a psychological. We ha- we have two young kids that are in college, young boys, and I got them Apple watches. I got all of the boys Apple watches, and I I got the Gucci from my my management staff, but. I know one, it'll take a long time before they, you know, they probably won't go out and buy a $600 watch because they don't make that much. But also the prestige of how other people feel about certain materials and that they have this or they ascertain this. There's a certain type of confidence that people get and people have once they have something that the world deems as for that one percent, right? Or, yeah. So for me, it was also a psychological component to it as Definitely. well. Definitely, and, and and you know, like as you said, it's a Gucci bag, but the impact, you know, what that truly was and, and is. So I think that's it's more than that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Going kind of now into the sort of Sephora journey, because I'm really intrigued about this. You actually, so you had Ajwa was launched and then I think it was a year or something later you went into Sephora. But I could talk a bit about that, but also was it before this 15% pledge that they're doing now? Like how was, what's that whole looking like? So we launched Audra Beauty. I launched Audra Beauty October, 2017 in my loft apartment. About four months later, I got into the Target Accelerator program actually. So I went to Minneapolis. Um, there was a five, six week program and I went to Minneapolis. It was, I think two to three weeks in Minneapolis and two weeks virtual and I did that. And at the end of that deal in April of 2018, Target offered us a distribution deal. But I, when I launched Audra Beauty, I was adamant about never doing retail. Like retail was a no-no for me based on my, what I saw with the black brands and what I saw with Sally Beauty. I just didn't see Audra Beauty for the, the retail model. Mm. You know, I'm a hairstylist. The main thing is I wanted my customer to be able to get information. When I was doing these events, I was realizing there was a lot of Black women that still didn't know how to do their hair, had no knowledge of their natural hair, was very, very insecure. Um, That's why a lot of people wear wigs and weaves and braids. They just don't want to deal with their hair. They look at it as a chore. So for me, there's like a psychological component that comes with that and a systemic component that comes with that. So I... Anytime I'd go to buy my hair care products and I'm in Target, there'd be like a group of women in the aisle. Nobody knows what to get. The Target employee can't help. She don't know nothing about black hair care products. And there's nobody in the aisle. And I would sit, sit, stand there and tell these women all about these products. Sometimes I'd be in a store for two, three hours just selling other people's products. And I just didn't see Audra Beauty as that brand. So my goal was to open showrooms in five cities, Dallas, New York, where I'm from, Minneapolis, UK, and I think I had France. Um, and, and I wanted the people to buy it directly from us. I wanted the experience to come from us. I wanted the packaging, the bag, everything to come from us. So we ended up opening a showroom downtown Dallas in May or June of 2018. And our showroom, you know, welcomed people coming in, testing, trying our products, set up 
similarly to a Sephora or Apple store is how it looks. We actually have an Audra Beauty showroom page um, that's following our main page if you want to see the inside of the showroom. And in 2019, February, I got an email from Akara in Sephora. And I looked at it. I was like, Sephora? What? And so I responded to her and she asked for all of our products because she wanted, you know, she asked if we were interested in having a conversation. I'm always going to talk. But again, I wasn't into retail, but I just couldn't believe Sephora found us, like Sephora. So we shipped everything to her, our sweater. We made them a nice little box. We shipped it in our blue box. About three weeks later, I got a call from the same Cara saying Sephora wanted to have another conversation with me. Um, in March or April of 2019, I had a call with Elise, my merchant, and there was another girl called Jessica yep. that worked with Elise, but she's now Ulta. at Ulta. Yeah. And we had that conversation and it blew me away because I didn't have that conversation as Audra Beauty, small black owned brand and Sephora. I had that conversation as Elise, Jessica and Julian. It was a real conversation in the way that you and I talk. I mean, it was like we've known each other for years. I was honest with my concerns. I was like, how are you guys supporting black brands? You know, you don't have hair. Like it was like completely raw. And I was so impressed on how aligned we were, like in my pain points, but also in the opportunities for black brands in the black community. I mean, it was just 100% no holds bar and how they were being able to engage with me in that conversation. I think it went on for like two hours wow. and it was like a 30 or 45 minute meeting. And when I got off that call, I think I started to think, okay, right. you know, something could happen here but I told them I wasn't ready I've always been honest with Sephora I said I'm bootstrapped I have no money I don't know if I could do this I'm gonna consider you I really like the energy but not right now let's keep checking back in with each other and Elise just kept checking back in with me and August September I decided I still didn't know how I was gonna do it but I didn't tell them <laughs> <laughs> I said you know what I'm gonna give it a shot because Maybe this is what God wants. I didn't go out to look for retail. Like we literally had our head down in Dallas doing the work. I didn't ask nobody to hook me up with no buyer. I was just selling product on my website. I didn't even, I wasn't looking at the possibility of retail because I didn't have the funds to do it. Um, and I asked Elise in our September call, I was like, how did you guys find Audra Beauty? Like, how did you know we were here of all the brands? And she was like, they have a group in within Sephora called Sephora Noir, which is Sephora Black um, employee group. Um, and so somebody in Sephora Noir brought Audra Beauty to Sephora and said, hey, you should look at this. And that's how we got into Sephora. So we ended up signing our official agreement with Sephora in November 2019, way before the BLM movement. We were supposed to launch in April. We couldn't because we had packaging issues because of covid and then we finally launched in May. So, no, we launched prior Dude. to the BLM yeah. movement. And then all of that happened. Um, but, yeah, that's our journey to Sephora. And I didn't know. I mean, I knew it was Sephora. I was a shopper. But I didn't know even how privileged I am to tell that story. Because after we launched into Sephora, every brand, every press has always asked me, how did you get into Sephora? And I've told them that story. And they're just like, wow. And I'm like, I didn't try to get into Sephora. I think the most important lesson, I mean, sometimes as people, I think we're impatient. 
we want to get there and people are comparing themselves to people online. I will honestly say that I have a lot of strengths, but I have realized one of my greatest strengths is I don't compare myself to others. And that definitely came from my childhood where we didn't have the Jordan sneakers and the nice things like the other kids in the neighborhood. My mom had to shop for us at thrift stores. So for me, comparing myself with other people was a misery because I don't have their things. I only have what I have. So I think that's developed into, you know, sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, I would love to do that. But there's always your time. You know, your time is your time and my time is my time. I don't think what Fable and Main does, Audra Beauty has to do at the same time. I could look at something you're doing and I can say, you know what? I love that they did that. I'll give myself a year or two and I'll do that too. So I don't, I don't have that envious where I want to do what somebody else is doing and I want to force it. I never forced it. And I just think when you do good work and you give your best, everybody wants to be connected to that. Everybody. Everybody wants to be connected, regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of background, regardless of where you at, where you are. Human beings have one thing in common. We want to be connected to quality, you know? So I think my job is just to make the quality and then we'll get what we're supposed to get. I think also what you, what I love in the fact is what you said is it's very similar to my story too, but like it's, we're very blessed and very fortunate to be in the family of Sephora, um, similar to you with Elise and Jessica first and, you know, and they just get you. And then it was such a beautiful conversation, but it was also, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was for us, it was before the whole Asian movement now, before it was before BLM. It was actually, they wanted us to amplify our true, authentic stories. And that's why Sephora, I think, honestly, is the best, one of the best partners you could ever have as a beauty brand. Um, if you're, again, fortunate enough, uh, definitely as a retailer, I would really recommend. Um, I sure. agree. Um, but as you said as well, D2C is very important. Direct to your consumer, nurturing your community, your consumers is always going to be the most important because yes, retailers are great, but you can, it's all like, as you said, connection was that key word I listened to. And that is something that um, not about compet- competition, you know, collaborate and connect is the best formula to success. And not just for financial success, business success, but also mental success. You're not constantly in your head, putting yourself down, your saboteur. Because if you are, you can compare yourself to thousands of beauty brands out there. And guess what? You're never going to ever do anything because you can't, you can't physically do everything they're doing. And it's also not your journey. It's not, you know, that's, that's their journey. So it's very important. Also because you don't know what people are doing. You know what I mean? It's two things. You never know what people are doing and what I realized really early on to be honest, it's about knowing yourself. I think for my thing is a self-awareness journey. To be honest, Akash, sometimes I'm just not willing to do what other people do. You know what I mean? To get or to do certain things. Sometimes it's more of a will. Like, okay, they did that to get this or to get that attention. I just don't want to do that, you know? Like, now we have, we need funding really bad, you know? But I'm speaking to all these VCs and yeah, I can make a desperate decision, but I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I don't want to take it. I don't know where I get this stubbornness from because, you know, I just, I'm just like, if it's not right, no matter how much I have to suffer or how hard it is, or sometimes I have to disappoint Sephora, it's like, 
I don't want to enter into anything, into any relationship, whether it's business, friendship, personal, and be miserable in it. You know what I mean? I want to be happy about my relationships and I want to be able to talk about Akash and talk about my strategic partners and talk about to Sephora yeah. because I'm also a person where if I'm not happy, I don't know how to pretend. No, to no, no. I, I, and, and it won't, it won't work. It's not sustainable. And you're a gut person. You're, you're, you know, you're a real person. And for me, that's fundamentally what you've got to continue doing for your whole life. And that's your journey and that's your way. And that if you'd live like this and what you're saying is exactly how I am, I can hopefully speak in the behalf of you as well is there is never a wrong decision because it's just your decision. You know, it's really remembering. And it's just learning. Learn. Exactly. It's all about growth. <laughs> and if you make mistakes, that's, that's, that's perfectly okay. Cause then that's just where you're going to learn and grow. So my friend Jay says it best. He, I was always beating myself up for all these mistakes. Cause of course in business mistakes cost money, yeah. right? They're not just an oops. It's like a $10,000, $20,000 mistake. And I was always beating myself up. And Jay said, Julian, you're making all of the right mistakes. And I thought about that. And I was like, that is so true because I made the best decision that I could in that moment with the information. And I just have to move on from it. And it also reminds you, you know. I made some mistakes, but I made a lot of good decisions as well. You won't have those good decisions without making those mistakes because you're obviously making them from your learnings. But also it reminds us of the fundamental, like, we can't be perfectionists. We're human. We're not robots. And that is human nature is to make mistakes, sometimes hugely financial, sometimes silly, but you got to just focus on what's next and it's what's done, you know, Move on. and that is so important when you have so many different businesses or so many different things or your team, because if you just dwell on it, what's the point, you know, what is it's counterproductive? kind of productive so no but i want to actually before we wrap it up because i know we could speak for another hour or two um so i don't know if someone's on their run they're about to finish or someone's on the lunch break thinking hurry up guys i i want to miss them i also need to go i do want to say a few few last questions but we'll we'll make it concise and, and succinct okay um so our journey amazing i think there's so much more to be told and i think we we'll probably will need to have another discussion or i'm sure you'll you'll continue sharing your story so everyone needs to check out julian but on you as a person um just go us a little bit about your like what is your daily routine like i'm just so curious to know what you do when you wake up and when you sleep <laughs> you know every day is not consistent and that has been something i've been working on because i'm a person where if i'm stressed you'll never know because I, I stress internally and I, I'm not a complainer. So I'll keep it all to myself. I'll isolate, I'll stay home, you know, but, um, you know, I, now I'm trying to be consistent. So now for the past several weeks, I wake up in the morning, I ha- I'll have a cup of tea. I do like check my emails early in the morning. I'm a morning person. I have more energy in the morning. Sometimes I'm up late, but I'm up late doing tasks that are just reading or with my eyes, not physical. But I'll, um, I'll, I'll have a cup of tea. I'll wake up. Obviously, thank God that I woke up, wiggle my toes. Thank God everything is okay. I'm still in my right mind. And then I'll come and sit in my chair. I'll make a cup of green tea, some lime. I'll drink that and I'll start responding to emails. And then I'll get dressed and I'll go work out. I have a Peloton here and I sprained my ankle in December, so I had stopped. But um, I recently started working back out because the other thing is with my entrepreneurial journey, I have gained so much weight. I'm a small stature person. And although I'm not skinny, 
stature. I've been really small and petite, but now I've gained maybe 40 pounds and I really need to lose. So I've just been trying to be consistent. And throughout the entrepreneur journey, what I realized is that when I hit a bump or get really stressed, I stop doing everything for myself. So what I've started doing for the last couple of weeks is even if they're stressful things, I still go do it. So I tell myself I can't stop working out or stop taking care of myself when there's stress. Because one thing I've came to the realization is there is always going to be stress. You know, it might be a different stress, but it's going to be stress because I'm growing a company that I want to be big and it can't, there's so many moving parts and it's not all dependent on me. Like I can do everything on my timeline, but then I need other people to deliver. So, you know, I'll go work out. Um, I try to get, I, I try to leave my house, even though I have equipment in my house because I'm trying to get consistent. Right. So leaving and coming back sometimes help me. So I live in a building with a nice gym. So I'll go upstairs and I'll work out from like seven to eight or eight 30. I'll come back. I'll take a shower. Depending on how my meetings are set up, I'll stay home because some meetings are private. We don't have an office or a personal space at the showroom and everybody can hear my zoom calls. So if they're just like zoom calls that are not really confidential, I'll go into the showroom. But if there are calls where only me need to hear that information, I'll just stay home and work from home that day. And then I'll end working around six, seven, eight o'clock at night while formally working. And then I'll try to read. I'll try to read for 20 to 30 minutes a day. And then I'll make dinner. And then I'll do some more work, if I'm being honest, (laughs) until I either fall asleep or I take myself to sleep. And then I'll repeat all over again. (laughs) But also, like, going to that point, like, um, that stress thing, like... What people, I think people don't realize is when people say you're always constantly stressed is think of it like from a very simple, like let's go from a beauty perspective. Uh, you have a beauty brand. If you don't sell, you're stressed because you're not selling. And if you do sell and you're selling out, you're stressed because it's sold out and you need to deliver more product. So just from that angle, there's negative stress, there's positive stress, and there's just like this in-between. It's always it's a stress. stress. There was a few weeks I wouldn't even open our Sunday <laughs> Sephora report because I was like, why are our sales, especially after we had market, and they were like, you were doing so well in 2020. Yeah. And, and you know, the first three months is this. I was like, oh my God, what, what can I do? Yeah. And then as a small brand, it's like you have limited marketing oh, money. We didn't have, we actually just got PR. But it's like, okay, I, you know, selling is sampling and giving people stuff and doing all of this thing with takes money, which I don't yeah. have. So what can I do more? I think with it's just, you know, step by step. Exactly. And, and, and not <laughs> and channeling that stress into just bite sizing it. It's been, all right, let's just go at my pace that I can. And, you know, it will change if you end up doing the funding route and you get in the VCA in at that point you'll be like, cool, I'll, I'll accelerate that. Sure. But, um, I think it's about really just, you know, it anyway, as you said, it's just about just hustling and just doing what you can and not overthinking it and not comparing. Uh, I, I, I'm like you, sometimes I'm like, not going to open it because it's just like, you don't need that extra or you take that stress tomorrow. You know, today I've had my stress, my stress of the day. Um, last question before we go into the fire round, because I ask everyone this. So, uh, currently TSA is reopening and, um, they're allowing travel. Thank God. However, they've said to you, Julian, you can only bring one beauty product on your trip with you. And you're obviously going to bring a product from Adra. So, you know, what product is your go-to product? 
that you would say everyone should travel with? That is not a fair question. Just one? I know. <laughs> one. Only one. TSA is not being fair, so they say only one. Um, I would say our deep conditioning treatment. Actually, I know we're going to say we said we're going to like kind of cut it short, but I do want to ask because you've got these amazing story about your mints and this has got bowel mint in there. And can you just go really quickly about the mint story? Because I love it. Yeah, bowel mint is just a word that I made up and it's the key ingredient of this collection, which is baobab oil and three mints. So again, everything with Audra Beauty, I just really pulled out of what I was seeing in my real life experiences, not trying to make anything up. And when I was doing these events, I, you know, have hundreds of women. And then I started the Bella Kings Expo in 2015. And we would get thousands of women. And there was just a reoccurring theme in talking to these women that showed up at the events. They had stopped shampooing their hair. And I'd be like, why? And they just felt like shampoo was stripping their hair. I mean, it wasn't. But with curly hair, texture hair, the natural community, when it's like clean or squeaky clean, they equate that to stripping, even though it's not the same thing. Um, so I was just like, wow. You know, I've met women that had stopped shampooing for two years, five years. I'm like, so in five years, you haven't washed your scalp. And I'm like, that is a breeding ground for fungus, for infection, for all type of things to even the pollution and the insects in the air to like attach onto your scalp, that's not a good thing. Like you have to wash your, your hair and your scalp. So when I was, I remember those instances. So I, when I was creating Agile Beauty, I wanted to create a collection and products that really like before this whole scalp care and skinification of hair thing started, you know, texture hair requires one thing, one thing only, and that's moisture. And I wanted to also pay attention to the scalp because I was like, you know, like a house or like anything, the, the scalp is your foundation. If the foundation is not healthy and not strong, that thing is not surviving, whether it's your person, your relationship, your home, anything, everything starts at the ground level. So Within everything we make, we just focus on the scalp. And with the three mints, to be honest with you, I just went overboard like I normally do. You know, when I was making this collection, <laughs> it's just like, I want this, I want that, I want this. And then I get the check after and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, but I, you know, uh, the mints obviously is key. Yeah, but I wanted to, all of the ingredients, we have so many different oils, kind of like you guys. You know, we have, you know, pomegranate seed, cactus, yep. Lavender, rosemary, nettle. I mean, we have so many different things in there. Sweet almond oil, fractionated coconut oil. And I just wanted everything to do one of two things. Provide moisture, um, be able to clean the scalp with the aloe vera and the shampoo, but then also add those Siva mimicking oils to the scalp that those women were talking about made their hair feel stripped, right? So yep. the magic with our shampoo, which you don't have, you'll probably experience, and you'll have to let me know what happens on your silky straight hair is it's is formulated when you're just shampooing it feels like just a regular shampoo but when you're you rinse it out it's formulated to impart the sebum mimicking oils that are in the formula onto your scalp so you will feel something on your hair it's not like that squeaky clean feel or that squeakiness that um they were talking about and i think you know that's been a hit with our shampoo but yeah, the bailment is just that all of our key ingredients, one thing that we're going to do is all of our key ingredients come from a region in Africa. 
again, to pay homage to where I'm from. So our Baobab comes from Madagascar. Our next collection will be the same thing. So we always try to bring key ingredients that that's from that region of the world. Also know where we're sourcing from. I, I actually use your treatment and honestly, like for my hair, it works so well because it's just so conditioning. It's so, it just like makes it all afterwards. Not only is it very soothing and nourishing, but Yes, it's formulated for textured hair, but it really does work for all hair types. Yeah, the deep conditioner and the leave-in conditioner and the oil are pretty universal. I would say the shampoo, you might like it, you might not. I have a lot of people, Asian customers, Caucasian customers that like the shampoo. I have some people that don't like it. So that's just a personal, but the deep conditioner is just the deep conditioner. It doesn't... I mean, it moisturizes, it has all the ingredients, but it's not heavy. A lot of times when products are made by black people or for texture hair, people can think it's heavy or greasy, but nothing we have is going to be heavy or greasy. Like the cream or the gel, you just don't need that because you're not trying to define anything. But um, none of it is heavy or greasy. And really, it just depends on preference, but it can really be used on every hair texture. But of course we focus and we formulate for that moisture for texture hair. And I think also it depends on how much you use exactly. as well, because I think that's also this, and you guys are very generous in what you, your size yeah. is, but also, you know, that's for, for someone like me, I just have to use a little right. bit and it goes, this will last me like a year, honestly. Yeah. Oh, literally. Yeah. Um, okay. So fire round questions because time is ticking, okay. time's up, but, um, but we're going to, we're going to catch up later anyway, but guys like this is probably, hopefully you guys have been so inspired. I mean, I'm sure you've all taken notes. Um, but we're going to end with fire round questions. Okay. Very quick and easy questions that you've got to say the first thing that comes to your okay. head. So what's another beauty brand that you love? And I know you're going to say Fable and Main because, you know, we're tight. But let's say no Fable and Main and no Adwa. What's your favorite beauty brand? I like Glossier. I, and, and, you know, that's it. But we're, I know why. Because, you know, community, as, as you said, and connecting, it's one of the main reasons, apart from having great products. They have just done so many things right. Like, I love when they launch yeah. a new product, especially because the marketing, the launch, the campaign is so simplistic, but it gets the point. I mean, they're, yeah. yeah. And their pop-ups. Have you been to their New York pop-up? It's incredible. I haven't. Oh, when you go, go check it out. It's like a Willy Wonka chocolate factory as a beauty store. It's like they, they come, the, the products come in like this thing. It's like delivered to you in a really cool way. Very, very cool. Okay. What's a guilty pleasure of yours? Ice cream. Too much. Ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel you. Too much I ice cream. I feel you. <laughs> uh, what are you currently watching or read? I think reading more for you, but what are you currently reading? Well, I've just started Brene Brown. Um, I forget the name, the title, but it's her most recent book. Okay, but <laughs> nice. But I, I, you're, you, do you often find yourself having the time now to read or, or is it like just difficult? It's difficult, but what I do is I, okay, so this might sound strange, but I'll, I like to have the book in my hand. I, I don't know. I, I like books and I have a pretty cool bookshelf. So I'll buy the book, the physical book, and I'll also buy the book on audio, Audible. And I'll do a lot of Audible reading, but I don't only want to do Audible reading because for me, I've always been a reader ever since I was a kid. And it's just really important to just see words and read with your eyes because I feel like reading with words and with your eyes also helps with vocabulary and spelling you know what I mean different from when you're hearing somebody talking so I do both I'll have the audible going and then I'll have the book going that way I could either do it on the treadmill or do it while I'm doing something else but I'll still be looking at the book that's so smart (laughs) I love that 
Um, okay, what's your favorite social media platform right now? Definitely Instagram. Well, probably TikTok. No, Instagram. I would say Instagram still has my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's still like the most, uh, but TikTok definitely for me even, like I'm really starting to enjoy it, but I'm also starting to hate it because I spend so much time on it's it. It's time consuming and those videos, even when they're quick, they take so long. I mean. And, and this algorithm knows you though. Like, they start like really giving me content and I'm like, this is scarily good. Yeah. Like stop hooking me on. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why it's really growing up. And last question. Uh, if you want uh, a beauty entrepreneur in the hair space in totality, what would you be? Um... I think I'd be either some sort of public or motivational speaker or somewhere in philanthropy, like somewhere traveling. If I, if money wasn't an object for me, I would travel the world helping people. Like I'll go from country to country and just like help poor people. <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing is, is I think those things, you're doing anyway and you're going to continue doing so it's also crazy how you can actually knowing you you'll find time to do it all just step by step yeah. and yeah so anyway julian it's been honestly the most enjoyable time i've had and i've really just i can speak to you for hours i want everyone and i really really mean this i want everyone to go follow you personally and your brand and check it out and support your brand not only will you be supporting, but also you'll have incredible hair after. So just for you to know, where can everyone find you and Ajwa? Thank you, Akash. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, my personal Instagram handle is Julian R. Otto and Audra Beauty is Audra Beauty everywhere. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We're very active on Instagram, I would say. But yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And it's always enjoyable to talk to you. I'm super proud of you. You're so young and so motivated and so driven. And you're such a great example to this world. I, I hope you always have the motivation to keep going and, you know, don't get too down on yourself. But I'm so happy to have met you in Sephora. Mm, me. Honestly, so that's like, I was saying to everyone, like, there's two things I'm grateful for since launching with, at Sephora. It's launching at Sephora and growing the brand, but also meeting founders like you and truly you specifically because since our first conversation to to now i'm more and more inspired every time i speak to you but also i just know i have a a friend and someone i can trust and trust being the key word here um in what can be up and down just before i don't know if you guys you guys don't know, don't know this but before we actually went live with this podcast we were speaking about our struggles this week and what's happening with our businesses and it's just so nice to know we're not alone and we can also just you made me feel already so much calmer to know that you know, it's, it's okay. It's just, it's like, it's nice to hear it's okay. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for just being you. You know, being yeah. Real. I mean, a lot of people don't talk about the struggles they have. You just see all of the successes. And I think it's really important to normalize that because nobody has made it, you know, whether it's Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos, there's always fires. And I think talking about those things also helps like you're, you know, you feel like you're ranting or complaining or venting, but really I don't look at it that way. Like even on Instagram, when I'm showing, Hey, I pay this in shipping. Hey, this is the amount of money support took out of my receivables. That's not for me. Cause it's already gone. I'm more or less showing that for other people to understand because 
people with the whole entrepreneur journey, it's so easy to get caught up and to want all of the good side of things with any journey, even relationship, right? Everybody wants to be in a relationship. And while there's a lot of upsides to a relationship, there's a real responsibility in being attached to somebody, right? You have to be there for them emotionally, financially, physically, you know? So I think the world always wants the good parts and not the parts that take work. And for me, it's always like, okay, I know you admire me in Sephora and you think I'm killing it. And while I'm grateful for what I'm doing, I'm not invalidating that, but here's also what comes with that, right? Which is responsibility. So for me, it's just, it's not about venting or complaining is you, you really want this. If you really want this, this is what it comes with because you can't yeah. pick the parts of the journey that you want. You got to take the whole thing, you know? So the whole, and you got to be real 24 seven along the way. And I think that's what guys. And again, if you're not doing it, follow at Julian Arado, you're going to understand exactly what she's <laughs> saying because you do that. And it just, it's so refreshing to see. So thank you, Julian, for this conversation. Thank you for being you. Thank you for having me. And um, we'll speak soon. But um, thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Love you. I can't wait for uh, all of the things to share this podcast. And I hope you have a great evening because it's evening in the UK. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 